by the time this deal closes, I'm going to have to reread the book again. Oh, I know. I barely remember what it was about. We liked it, right? I, sh- I sure hope so. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we're going to talk to media spokesperson and executive coach Marie Garvey about how we can all empower ourselves in the workplace. She's got lots of practical tips, so listen up. Then I'm giving Sarah a big hit for something she does in our writing partnership, and she gives herself a bomb related to my favorite subject, reality TV. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack is inspired by a detail from the extraordinary life of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But first, we have some responses to the conversation we had about Zoom pitching in episode 175. Yes, Sarah, we got a lot of response to this. Anna says, hi, listen, Sarah, I'm a hypnotherapist. No, it's not like the movies. And would recommend you ask the people you're pitching to to close their eyes during part or all of your pitch. As you know, as writers, when we can see something, it's so much more powerful and forms a stronger emotional connection. Screen fatigue is real, and I believe really interferes with this process. Good luck. Well, it's an interesting idea, Sarah. I don't know that I would have the guts to ask like a bunch of executives to close their eyes, but I can see situations where one could do this in a meeting. Yes, and I never would have thought of it. So I thought it was really smart and interesting. Yes. And maybe we would do it for like a little bit of a pitch, you know, for like a certain segment or something. Yes, to kind of break up the monotony, but certainly not for a whole pitch. And then we got a great idea from Jayanne, who listens to Happier in Hollywood in Berlin. And I apologize if I just totally slaughtered your name. (laughs) They said, I want to share with you an idea that might come in handy. I'm not in the industry, so apologies in advance if this is irrelevant. However, I see this approach working in the field that I am in, research. When I did presentations or articles in college in order to not make it super boring for my classmates... I used to give them handouts. These were helpful tools for them to use when they're studying for exams, but it also serves as an index, which they can use to follow the presentation, and then they don't have to make notes, and they can be fully engaged instead. These handouts would include key points, resources, some cute illustrations or pictures. I'm a visual learner and find it useful to tie a piece of new information with an image. If I were to pitch anything today, I would combine this with what my boss does before training sessions that we have at our company. A tool that I like to use to create such documents is a website called Canva. It has both free and paid options. And Liz, we use Canva, actually. We have used Canva before. I think it's amazing. Yes, I remember we used it for our writer's retreat, I believe. Yeah. You used it, I should say. I, I did nothing, <laughs> but you used it. <laughs> but those are some really great ideas. Yes. It's always nice when you're given a document so you then don't have to take notes. That is nice. Yeah. And to be given that document in advance so that you can sort of scan it and be familiar with what's coming is very smart. Yes. And then, Sarah, we also got some great tips from one of our favorite producers, Lori Zacks, who we did the fix with. Yay. Lori says... 
Keep them short. This is about the pitches, especially the pilot story, more broad strokes and less detail. Yes, this is crucial. I am so glad that Lori brought that up because pilot stories are always the part of the pitch where eyes just glaze over. And I think now even more so when they're on Zoom. So yes, absolutely, Lori, we hear you. And then she also said, have a tech rehearsal with your visuals first. You can be in control of them or somebody from your team. Yeah, which is a very good idea. You don't want to be not knowing your tech and having that be a distraction and having something go wrong. Now, Sarah, I had suggested in our discussion that maybe we use matching virtual backgrounds, but um, Lori said about that, be careful with those fake backgrounds. They bleed and have all sorts of problems. One other thing, you know this, dress for the pitch and don't wear sweatpants under a shirt. Wear something nice, put on some makeup and feel good. I always get a blowout. It makes a difference in your confidence level. So true. I mean, even on Zoom. I was so looking forward to doing a pitch in sweats, but I'll (laughs) wear real clothes. (laughs) So, yeah, as always, Lori has great advice. And if you want to hear more advice from Lori, um, you can listen to episode seven of Happier in Hollywood. And we also want to remind everyone that we are selling our Happier in Hollywood beautiful rainbow Sillipint cups. They're going fast. We love them so much. You can see them on our Instagram feeds. They're $25, including shipping. That also gives you the little travel cup lid. If you would like to have one of your own before they're gone again, you can email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyche. And this week, it's how to empower ourselves in the workplace. And we are so excited because today we're talking to Marie Garvey, who's an expert on the subject. Marie Garvey, president of the Garvey Group, has spent 20 years as a strategic communications consultant, media spokesperson, media and presentation trainer, and executive coach. Marie has helped filmmakers, CEOs, actors, and American generals prepare for media interviews, presentations, and public forums. Her recent clients include Pixar, NBC Universal, The Walt Disney Company, Marvel, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and others. In 2018, she founded Crazy Busy Women in Balance and focused her executive coaching to help women create time, connection, and joy outside of work without sacrificing success through an in-depth eight-week program. During COVID-19, Marie launched the training series online to reach women where they are and change their lives with a step-by-step transformational coaching program. Yes, Marie, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I have been wanting to sit down and grill you forever because (laughs) you are an executive coach to a good friend of mine who works for a very large company, And you have totally impacted how she feels at work. I love hearing that. It just makes my day to hear that. And she is a rock star. She really is. And and I love just, I I grill her. I'm like, what did she say this week? So first of all, tell us, what is an executive coach? Because I just love this idea. Yeah. Well, it's many things. I mean, really, it is bringing somebody to their highest potential, because oftentimes, what our skill set is that makes us really good at what we do for a living as we move up or get into different environments. Uh, we weren't necessarily trained to be 
awesome managers or awesome communicators and all of these things. So it's really just building a new tool set as you grow in a company. And in most places, it specifically in the company that we're referring to, it's about building executives up mm -hmm. because they see great potential in them. It's not necessarily, as a lot of people think, in some cases there are fixes that need to be made. Like somebody will hire you to say, this is a real barrier for their growth. But in a lot of cases, it's just having them realize their potential. And, you know, everybody can't be good at everything. And a lot of times their their original career as they made themselves up the ladder, got themselves up the ladder, you need different skills to navigate as you take on more. Well, that's very true for us because we're writers. And mm -hmm. then it's like as you become a showrunner, it's entirely different skill set. And it's like learn on the job. Uh, so I wish we'd had your help way back. <laughs> as do yeah. I. <laughs> you know, and, and everyone goes through that growth pain and having a toolbox at each stage in your career becomes so much more important, especially at this stage in our careers of owning yourself, you know, and not doubting yourself as you did when you were working your way up and got all that feedback that confused you. Now it's time to really own yourself. And with that comes freedom. Yes. And I think for uh, particularly women in positions of power, we're often perceived differently than men are in the same position. Do you have like top three pieces of advice for women who who are who want to just improve how they're perceived at work? Yeah, I mean that's an awesome, awesome question because you know women and power is a tricky thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're perceived very differently. We're judged very differently, and we've again is we've been told so many different things as we've moved up in our career in feedback. And oftentimes we're trying to emulate that or, or be something that we're not as we're exerting power because power is not a comfortable place often for women mm. because we know we've been judged several times through our career. And when we get to that place of executive or, or at that place in our career where we all are, it, you know, it really is, and what we, what I really teach women is stripping all that out and yeah. just coming through as yourself because there's mm. a huge difference. I think there's this horrible perception of brand. What's your brand and this and that. It's how you dress. It's how all this stuff versus your presence, you know, and we've all seen somebody walk in a room, man or woman, and they own the room. Yeah. And you don't even know what their title is, but you know, they're important. How do you and, do right. that? Yeah. And that's <laughs> presence. And so often men, men can own that so much easier than women because they know their strengths, they own their strengths, and they don't apologize for their weaknesses. They're like aware of them. They try to they try to improve them, but they're they're not making excuses for them or afraid of them. And mm -hmm. we, I think, turn down our light a lot because mm -hmm. we're not comfortable with power because we were told early on in our career, you know, you're don't be too this or too that. That T O O really messed us up. And I think what happens is we start to lose our authenticity uh, and mm. our voice. So part of that is just really tapping back into your talents and trusting yourself and giving yourself permission to be powerful and to show up and let the chips fall where they may. Because not everybody's going to get you. Not everybody's mm -hmm. going to understand you. But if you have no shot at owning your power or really succeeding truly to the ultimate level you want to if you're not yourself because <laughs> that is your superpower <laughs> I would just that like you to know that mm -hmm. I am sitting up straighter just listening to you 
<laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I love I'm this. So, okay. <laughs> I am so passionate about this because it is the woman condition and it drives me crazy. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, the question I'm about to ask you, I feel like now the answer seems obvious because it's <laughs> what mistakes do you see people and women especially making over and over? And I'm guessing it's going to be sort of not being themselves, trying to fit a certain mold. But uh, let me hear it from you. Yeah, and I think uh, taking on too much as well. Oh, like, I, I would say mm-hmm. the three categories would be, I mean, of course, the perfectionism, you know, is, I think there's some good things about the traits of a perfectionist, but it is a killer. I mean, it, it'll kill you if you live that. But the pleasing part of women is what kills us. We want, mm-hmm. we're pleasers. We want to please. And that's putting our power in somebody else's hands. Oh, my God. That is so true. Right? I'm sorry. I have to just, like, stop and say that again. That is putting our power in someone else's hands. It is. It is. And early on in my career, some badass woman told me something really, really powerful, which you got to decide whether you want to be liked or respected. Mm. And when you choose to be respected, you'll be liked, too, because that's just who you are. (laughs) And it was just like, that's my guiding principle. And I just, and the other thing that drives me crazy, and I used to do it, and I really, every once in a while, I catch myself, we over-apologize for things. And the perfect- We talk about that. Yes. The perfect example is a man has to leave early, and he says, I got to go at four today. And he walks out the door. A woman has to leave <laughs> at four. And she's like, Johnny's got this thing and I've got to go, but I've done my work and I'll be out of pocket for three hours, but I'll be back online at <laughs> X and tomorrow I'll come in early. And it's like, that is, again, that is not a powerful woman speaking. Right. That's a pleaser. Yeah. And it disempowers you because it's right. like you're sort of answering to everybody as right. opposed to just saying, hey, I'm leaving and assuming yeah. everyone will be fine with that. And of course they will because you're, you know, men leave and they're like, go. Like nobody even thinks twice about it. But we're in our heads about what people are thinking and our team's working. So we should be working. And we're swirling in our head all the time. And that's not owning our power. That's giving it away. And it's also leaving a, you know, a model for younger women to follow that also drives me crazy. And when we, you know, we're grown ass women, excuse me for using the language, yes. but, at, you know, we can get our job done. We will get our job done or we wouldn't have the jobs we have. And so it's our job to manage our time and we don't need to apologize for that. Well, here's a question for you. What what do you suggest for when we get really upset at work? Because, you know, women do tend to be more emotional than men. Mm-hmm. I once burst into tears in the writer's room and like ran out, which was beyond humiliating. Um <laughs> Or not. I mean, or I don't know, maybe it was okay. I mean, what, like, what do you think about the whole emotionality of it all? Well, honestly, you know, there are workplaces that don't allow that. Let's just be honest, you know? Right. And so if you're a person that processes things that way, because there's some women that have just totally shut off their emotions, right? And they don't show them. And then they, and they're in a lot of ways dying inside because our emotions are, are our channel for connection and intuitiveness and stuff that is the superpower of women. I think that when we find ourselves upset, you know, just own it. And in that moment, be, be the role model to say, guys, I'm losing it today. (laughs) And here's what's going on. And forgive me, but this is a lot of stress. And I take this really 
very seriously, and I'm feeling super overwhelmed and frustrated. So just give me a moment. I'm going to go take a walk, and we'll come back. Instead of, like, we run out of the room because we're like, oh, God, I wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they're going to think this and that of me. I'm weak. You're not weak. You're human. And we can model that for other people. And how in your life, when somebody's lost it, or, like, as a mom, you know, the worst, you know, I only surround myself with honest moms. <laughs> because that mom that's like, you know, pretends ever, she never gets down and mm-hmm. nothing ever bothers her. And, oh, you know, we've all been cooking together in COVID and it's been this empowering yeah. moment. And, <laughs> you know, I'm now making my children's clothes and, you oh, know, God. it's like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then a mom comes up and says, I don't know about you, but I'm losing it. Like, I want to kill my child. Like, they never yes. leave. And you're like, oh, my people. You yeah. know, <laughs> and you're you're like, oh, God bless you for being honest. Mm-hmm. And you can be that in the workplace because we're, we're – we're women with power in the workplace and we can not, we get to choose the rules, but, but what we're really doing is not, we're saying it's not okay to have emotion by running out of the room. And then we're modeling that for other people. And we're basically telling him, you're right, it's weak. Mm. I mean, the classic thing men do, and I, and I'm not picking on men because I love men and, and they are, I honor how powerful they can be. Mm-hmm. Even when they're faking it sometimes, <laughs> it's awesome. But what happens is they'll say, oh, you were really passionate in that meeting. And, you know, what they're saying is, you know, calm it down or you won't be hurt. And it's like, okay, you know, I understand for me, sometimes I can get too passionate and it mm. does get in the way of me being heard. So point taken, but you're not going to, you're not going to take my power away. Like I got it, but I still can be me. And passion wanna- is a real big part of who I am and how I get things to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to apologize for that. A totally different tangent, Marie. Yeah. Clothes. Yes. <laughs> does it matter what we wear? I mean, of course it does. What's your advice about how to dress to sort of improve your the perception people have? Well, that goes back to that brand and presence thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that you have to define your brand, which is clothes and how you look and, and what, you know, your resume and how your quirkiness or some people are really quiet, whatever that brand is, own it. And so, and then you have to be appropriate for a workplace. So there are some workplaces that are very, very formal. And if you don't like that, you probably shouldn't be working there. Mm, (laughs) You know, you need to feel powerful in what you're wearing and authentic in what you're wearing. And it needs to be appropriate to the situation. But I think that oftentimes we're told, you know, if you want to be a VP or a senior VP, and I've heard this from some clients, like go to Nordstrom's and a personal stylist, they'll power you up and you'll get a promotion. Well, that might be true for the first year, but you still have to perform and own yourself right. and be a great leader and this mm-hmm. and that. I mean, that's that's a brand thing. It's a fix. And so often we just focus on the brand stuff instead of the present stuff and the leadership stuff. Well, and now that people are working from home and everyone is doing everything on Zoom, how do people kind of own themselves and own their power when everything is digital? So hard. It so is. hard. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of a commercial break in any meeting. Mm. I usually program them because, you know, I I thrive on connection and I deal with heavy stuff a lot in one side of my business. And so we got to bring humor into the situation. So mm-hmm. I think that from a presence standpoint, finding a moment at the beginning of a meeting, showing up early or showing, you know, and saying, hey, how was everybody's weekend? Those little things that we used to do when we were in person. Yeah. You know, that we can't, in, in Zooms, because we're on these back-to-back Zooms and stuff, 
we forget that connection. We're just all about business and we're all kind of, you know, starving for that connection. So finding those little commercial breaks, I don't know about you guys, but what are you doing this weekend before we wrap up or things like that? Just to bring your, that's mine is because connection and me being, you know, authentic to me would be asking about people and joking around a little and still having moments of seriousness because that's who I am. So to remember to do that and almost be deliberate about that instead of getting so caught up in, in kind of the, you know, losing your mind on Zoom where you just zoom, zoom out. So t- mm-hmm. I, I think the best way to say that is take responsibility for raising the energy in the, in the Zoom. Don't wait for somebody else to do it because that's what a leader does. Right. I love that advice. Yeah. We want to ask you about your amazing online trading course. But before we get to that, we just quickly want to know if you have a homework assignment for us, because I know you give our mutual friend homework assignments. Is there something we and our listeners should do to to empower us? Let me think of a good one. You know what? I'm going to trust that this is the right one to give you. I gave it to one of my clients the other day. It's Okay, I want you to spend the next seven days, get a piece of paper out. I love journals and paper, so, and a pen, and that's who I am. But you can, I prefer you write it down with a pen versus in the computer because it engages a different part of your brain. I want you to, when you're feeling overwhelmed, which is happening every day with this COVID, I want you to mark, it's a stress calendar, let's just call it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Or overwhelmed calendar or journal. And I want you to write down what you're doing when you start to feel overwhelmed. And it could just be a little thing and mark the time and do that for three to five days. Okay. And Mm -hmm. bonus points. If you, if you write down what you're also saying to yourself in those moments, Mm. right? Cause that's part of a judgment, you know, that you're doing because women are very good at that. And then at, at three to five days, depending on your work, cause some schedules you need five days, but three might be enough if your schedule is super intense. Um, and we're going into weekends and stuff. So you want three work days for mm-hmm. sure. And then look at it and start to see some patterns of what it is. And then ask yourself, you know, can I delegate it? <laughs> like if it's grocery shopping or something, like can I do Instacart? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if it's something that's throwing you over the edge, how can I get rid of it or delegate it? If I can't get rid of it, how can I change my perception of it? If it's something I hate doing, then I do like every once in a while I'll do, I don't really love time management or time blocking because it stresses me out because I don't think I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And so I, but I do create like a time on Fridays to just do like an hour of sucky things I have to do. Mm. And I just suck it up and do it. Right. So if it's something that you just have to own and change your perspective of, then change your perspective. Like, I'm so lucky that I get to pay bills. You know what I mean? Like some kind of gratitude or change your perspective of it to get through it and just change the energy of it. And the last one is really, if you can't change it or change your perception of it, have fun with it. So find a fun way to make fun of it or be sarcastic about it and be a little playful about it to just, if it's like, Uh, An example would be there's a person I have to work with a lot and they tend to be name droppers and it drives me crazy, but I have to work with them and they're, they're not bad people, but it just drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. And so now I found a fun way instead of getting frustrated and not being present in the meetings by him taking up so much air with his name dropping, I just start to do a little tabulation of how many Mm. times he does it in a meeting. I'm like, ooh, he's hit 10 today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, he's really on fire. Oh, three. He must be like, you know, calm today. And I just try to find a way to make it playful. So I'm not 
Because I think that sometimes we just struggle through things and we're just so identified with struggle. We forget that that's a choice. And mm -hmm. so just to literally look at your calendar after three days or your journal and see where the, the trigger points are and then make a choice to change them. All right. Because, yeah, be, in, love be in action. All right, we have our homework. There you go. That There's is, your homework. That is right up my alley. I love it. Cool. Okay, Marie, tell us about your online training course, Crazy Busy Women in Balance. It sounds amazing. <laughs> well, I think all women can relate to Crazy Busy Women. And that is the name of, of my training company. And it really is an eight-week course that I put your friend through that really is about reprogramming the way you approach work and life. And the first three weeks, and it's there's homework mm. um, and there's coaching. Mm -hmm. And the first three weeks is really just getting down to the lies that we tell ourselves and the stuff that doesn't serve us anymore and creating tools to just get rid of those or at least manage them. And then we start to build our identity back with who we are today and, and owning everything about ourselves and creating a legacy of how we show up in the world so that we can make decisions based on our values instead of pleasing people or responsibility. We base them on our values because when we base our decisions on our values, we're released from all that internal struggle. Mm. And then we basically, when we get to that place, we can see so many more possibilities because we're not in survival mode anymore. And then we start to really just have fun with the possibilities in our life and create, you know, really a life plan to be able to realize all those dreams that were right there all the time, but buried in responsibility and struggle and burdens and go after them. And then a toolbox to help you with any triggers that come your way as you move through this world in this new place. And when are you offering it next, I, she asked <laughs> casually. <laughs> she asked casually. Well, it goes on all the time. So you just, you know, you sign up for the program and we start you. And the beauty of online, I really moved to, I was doing it um, in person and with people. I live in Los Angeles. So people in Los Angeles, there's a lot of women that need it in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. But I, you know, with COVID and everything and just seeing the power of, when I moved my coaching to online, that how many more people I could impact that I turned the course into an online course. And it's individual and group coaching, depending on which one you want. And I'm a pragmatic person. I like, I like to get busy and get things done. And so eight defined weeks, step by step. And it, and, you know, it requires you to really be honest with yourself and, and choose to live the life you deserve to live because you've worked so damn hard for it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> on that note, Marie, thank you. You can follow Marie on Instagram at crazybusywomen and go to her website, crazybusywomen.com for more information about her online course. Marie, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. I enjoyed every minute of it. And when the world gets back to normal, let's all go for drinks. Yes. We're locals. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay. Next up, I give Sarah a big hit and she gives herself a reality TV bomb. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, it's time for our Hits and Bombs segment because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And I just want to dive into my bomb because I need to purge okay. it. Okay. Okay. I have been staying up way too late way too late, watching Married at First Sight on Netflix. Okay, I, believe it or not, have not watched this show. It's a okay. reality show I have not watched. What is it? <laughs> well, I don't recommend it because you will just get sucked in and okay. have the same problem I have. 
Okay, so the title, it's its literal naming. These people get married at first sight. They get matched by three experts and four couples meet at the altar, and then the show follows them for eight weeks, and sometimes the marriages last, and sometimes the marriages are a complete disaster. And I, Have it's they ever like, spoken or no. before the marriage? No. no. Okay, so no contact. No contact whatsoever. And I, I feel like I finally understand what happens to you when you're watching the Kardashians and the Housewives. Mm. Just the sort of level of engagement. I can't, I can't turn it off. I lose track of time, which never happens to me. Mm. It's like, it literally, I'm like talking to the television. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Don't do that. No. And I think I finally get it, Liz. Of course, I feel like the housewives are my friends. I don't know if you feel these people are your friends. (laughs) No. Okay. No, I do not. I definitely do not feel like they're my friends. And I worship them. It's, but I do get, but it's more of the like the sense of voyeurism of really being inside Mm. someone else's life and really like kind of feeling their feelings as they're having them and, you know, rooting for them or rooting against them. Well, now I want you to try the housewives and go on that journey with me because then we would have so much more to talk about than we even have now. The thing is, when I have tried to watch the housewives, I don't like them. I don't feel like they're my friends. I feel like I would not want to hang out with them. (laughs) Well, we will sidebar this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Oh, and I also, I have to add, I I looked up the couples because the show was shot, like Ah. it's resolved, right? So I was like, well, if I just look it up and find out what happened, maybe I will be less sucked into this, right? So I looked it up. I found out two of the couples stay together. Two of them are now apart. It's not who I expected. Mm. Although the couple that I love, love, love is still together. And I actually feel like it made me more invested knowing that they're together they're have they're having a baby i'm just like oh now i have to watch it's terrible i'm never gonna sleep again (laughs) i know it's i get it i get it sarah i have a hit and it's a hit for you so this will counterbalance your bomb oh thank god (laughs) i am giving you a hit because we are sent a lot of material to read whether it's books or articles and I feel like you always read it. Like, (laughs) I feel I almost never read it. Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, like something else to read. Like, it'll come in. We'll talk about it. And then I forget it exists. And then I'll get an email like, read the first hundred pages. And a lot of times because you're reading it, I don't have to read it. Like, because you'll just be like, oh, it's bad or, oh, it's about this. We're not interested. (laughs) And I only have to read it if you like it. So (laughs) I have to give you a hit because, I mean, that's a big thing. And I I should give myself a bomb for not doing more of the reading. But I'm focusing on giving you a hit for doing that. That's very sweet of you. I appreciate the hit very much. But the funny (laughs) thing is, I don't feel like that's true. Like, it's interesting because... It's almost the opposite of the phenomenon where if you look at a group of people and ask each one individually how much they contribute, it will add up to like 300% because everyone thinks they contribute so much. It's almost the opposite of that. Like, I feel like you do 
a lot of that sort of weeding through material and stuff. I think maybe you watch a lot of stuff. Mm. S- since I'm so involved in this Netflix show now, yes. I can't watch anything else. <laughs> yes. Also, for me, since we're so busy, I feel like I can't really read for pleasure. I feel guilty when I read for pleasure. Yes. So if we get a book that's good at all, and I feel like I'm reading ah. it for work, it's like... Oh, I'm reading, but it's for work, so I have to. Oh, that you makes know what perfect I mean? sense. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm glad you don't feel like I'm just like piling it all in your lap. That's good to hear. <laughs> I do not. Not at all. Okay, good. Well, thank you for that. So hit to you as well for watching things. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Coming up, we've got a Hollywood hack inspired by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. Have your own descent collar. So we should explain what that means. Yes. So everyone knows one of the most brilliant, badass feminists of all time died recently, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also known as Notorious RBG. Woohoo! She was a hero to so many people, definitely a hero to us. Yeah, she really paved the way for women like my mom to become lawyers. She fought gender discrimination in all forms. She fought for equal rights for all people. And she had a collar for every occasion. So, Liz, you weren't like fully up on the whole array of Ruth Bader Ginsburg collars. No. So I knew that she wore different collars on her robe, um, but I did not realize that they had meaning attached to them. I thought she just wore different collars. And then you sent me a really great article about it, which we'll link to in the show notes. But I was kind of blown away when I heard this. No, her messaging with those collars was strong. And the most famous of her collars, of course, is the dissent collar. She wore it to express her dissent when the conservative majority of the court basically ruled that companies can refuse to cover birth control for religious reasons. She also wore it the day after the 2016 election. And that particular collar has become this really powerful symbol for people. There are descent collar earrings and necklaces. People get tattoos of the notorious RBG descent collar. So we thought it would be good to have our Hollywood hack this week be have your own descent collar. Yeah, and we obviously don't mean a literal descent collar, um, though the real one is a necklace from Banana Republic. We mean an item. It could be a necklace or a pin or earrings or a scarf or even a certain shirt or shoes that you wear as your own powerful statement when you dissent. And I think it's one of these things where, like, so say you have a tough work situation No, something bad is going down. Something bad just did go down. And you want to feel that little bit of empowerment, as we've been discussing empowerment. Mm -hmm. It can just, wearing your own descent collar can, I think, just give you a little boost to get through the day. Yes. And I ordered some descent collar earrings, which I don't think can count as my descent (laughs) item, it's a little so too you on mean the nose. actual earrings of, of Ruth yeah. Bader Ginsburg's descent collar, which yes. we obviously will link us also to her, the collar, so you can see what it looks like. Yes, totally. So I was thinking that I'm going to get a wrist cuff, like, you know how Wonder Woman had those, like, big, mm. thick, like, wrist cuff bracelets? That's going to be my descent 
color. I love it. That's awesome. I know. I'm kind of excited about it now. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> awesome. So when you see me wearing that, you will know that is my little, like, huh, RBG. Okay, I don't have one, Sarah. I mean, I got to I don't either, but you have to get one. No, I know. But I mean, I don't have a great idea like the cu- the cuff. I love the cuff. But obviously, I can't do that or else we'll look ridiculous. So I have to think <laughs> of something else. Hey, hmm. I want to know if anyone has a great idea for what my descent collar should be. Please do email us at uh, halfbeardhollywood at gmail.com. <laughs> I am accepting suggestions for my metaphoric descent collar. <laughs> and the thing is, like, everyone knew what RBG's collar meant, right? Like, when she put yes. it on, everyone was like, ooh, it's the descent collar. And maybe no one will know what my cuff means or what your descent item means. But it really doesn't even matter. You can still just sit in that power and in that space of knowing that even if you cannot change something, you dissent and you are a badass. Indeed. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our amazing guest, media spokesperson and executive coach, Marie Garvey. Her website is crazybusywomen.com. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed and everyone at Sankola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sankola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Sfane, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Wait, Sarah, are you going to keep your reality TV viewing to Married at First Sight? Or like, would you branch out to, you know, 90 Day Fiance? Let's Go, say. no, 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 no. Okay. I'm just like, I'm so tired. Yeah, you can't watch more. No, I'm like one season of this show and then I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I promise. From the Onward Project.